Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we're glad you are this afternoon. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. It's Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're glad you're with us. Full show today. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com will be joining us later in the show. Kelly Sander at the bottom of the hour. Opening segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue. Great place to take your family. Great place to cater your next event. And it's just a great place to enjoy good food. Dickie's Barbecue opens seven days a week in Hattiesburg, right by the mall. And we thank them for their support of our show. Big news for men's golf. The Southern Men's uh, Golf Team captures its first team title in three years. The Golden Eagles have won the East Carolina University Intercollegiate uh, Golf uh, Competition at Brook Valley Country Club in Greenville, North Carolina. The Golden Eagles captured their first tournament uh, since winning the Latour Collegiate Challenge in February of 2019. That was actually a one-round event. The last 54-hole tournament won by Southern Miss uh, came earlier that season when they captured the Sam Hall. That was back in 2018, but we're talking about today. Coach Eddie Brescher joins us. And, Coach, congratulations. Uh, you've got your guys off to a tremendous start. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for having me on today. Um Man, what a week. Uh, you know, anytime you can win in golf, well, first of all, winning in golf is extremely difficult since we play multiple teams at the same time, anywhere from 12 to 20. And when you can do it in the fashion we did, putting five guys in the top 10 and winning by 21 shots, man, that's some special stuff right there. 21 shots, that means your competition was way in your rearview mirror. <laughs> well, as we always say, uh, when we talk to the guys, when you get your foot on their throat, twist. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. All right, Luke, I know uh, you were excited about this golf tournament result as well. Fire away at Coach Brusher. Coach, uh, let's let's talk about this. You were up at uh, at East Carolina. Uh, uh, Southern Miss fans uh, saw that because of you know the history between these schools. And, of course, we don't play them as much anymore because after they moved conferences. But this was a, a good golf tournament up in Greenville and you know, let's let's talk first about Bryce Wilkinson. He and uh, Ryan Dupuy finished third overall, but it was really those first two days in round one. Both uh, Bryce and Ryan shot uh, under seventy, a sixty nine and sixty eight, and that that's coming from a freshman too. Yeah, I, I'm Bryce is he's just a, such a fantastic talent. I mean, he, he's good in the classroom. He's incredible on the golf course. I mean, his his level of Focus is just perfect. He's kind of like a Dustin Johnson where really nothing phases him. Um, so it really comes as no surprise to have Bryce play well. I mean, that's his third top ten in a row for us. And uh, so having him lead the way is huge. But, I mean, when you got a freshman like Ryan, who's a true freshman, just, what, six, seven months removed from junior golf and high school golf, and he's coming in doing things like that, contending for wins at the Division One level, I mean, it's special, man. 
What was, uh, you know, did this course, was it a a matter of your guys' skill set match the course extremely well, or they just, you know, dominate uh, just adapting to the course? So funny thing you mentioned the course. So about a year ago when we put that on the schedule, I talked to uh, a guy who was our former assistant, Jim Guerin, and uh, they had won there. Jim's the coach of Coastal Carolina. I called him and I asked him, I said, man, what, what you know about the golf course and everything? And he said, look, if Hattiesburg Country Club had a brother, it'd be Brook Valley Country Club. So you guys should do fairly well there since you're used to the old school, you know, the dog legs, tight fairways and stuff. So, I mean, we practice on that on a daily basis and it paid off. You know, Coach, I want to ask you, you, you comment on a couple of these kids, including your, you know, phenomenal freshman how does recruiting go in golf? How is that different, say, than recruiting for baseball or football? Well, in golf, you know, you're, you're a, a recruiting class in golf, a large class would be three players. Um, normally, we, we try to keep about nine on roster, but with the COVID situation, we've got a larger roster this year with 12. Um, so it, it really just depends on who's coming in, who's going out, you know, what's available. Every year is different with recruiting. Uh, we're not a headcount sport, so we have uh, our pie is only so big with scholarships in the sport of men's golf. So, you know, we've got to be strategic and smart about how we do it. It's kind of our salary cap, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's how we look at it. And so we've got to budget properly. And, you know, it, it's a lot goes into it. There's no perfect method. You just have to be really smart, leave no tone, uh, stone unturned, and just you know, get out there across the world and see who's available. Yeah. What is the scholarship limitation in, in men's golf? And is it divided up? I know a lot of baseball scholarships are divided in half to spread them across. Uh, how do you guys do that, and what are your limitations? So the sport of men's golf in Division One is four-and-a-half scholarship limitations. Uh, we're fully funded, which is it's fantastic to have that here at Southern Miss. So, you know, we've got great resources in place. Um, it's kind of like a salary cap, you know, if, if you think, uh, you know, with the NBA or, you know, NFL, there's a salary cap and, you know, you've got to break it up, uh, as, as you see fit. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So moving ahead now, I know you, <laughs> one of the hard things in sports is when you have a huge win and you correct me if I'm wrong about golf, I think it's like every other sport. You can celebrate it for a while, but then you have to kind of put it up on the shelf, celebrate it when the season is over and move on to the next uh, competition. So what's, what's next for the golf team? Well, fortunately, we have a few days off. We've had a lot of on the road, going and going and going in the month of March. So we're actually giving the guys a couple of days off to just kind of catch their breath, get caught up on schoolwork, you know, get their feet underneath them, and then we'll hit it pretty hard for two weeks. But getting back in the gym, getting back on the range, getting some, some matches in, amongst the teams and inter-squad stuff for two weeks, and then we'll hit the road and go over to Mossy Oak uh, at Mississippi State's event. And that's a big one. Yeah, I got you. You guys do you do get to travel. Luke and I have always said the golf uh, kids are the smartest ones at the university because they go all over the country and play at these beautiful golf courses. So we're, we're really proud of your team. Now, Luke, I know you wanted to ask Coach about a, a pretty significant win for, for golf in the state of Mississippi overall. Yeah, get to get to the to Davis Riley just in a second, Coach. I just wanted to comment. I think a lot of our listening audience and Eagle fans don't realize how how historic this golf season is. You guys have played in nine tournaments. You finished in the top five five times. You finished in the top three three times. Pretty historic for Southern Miss golf. 
It has been a good year. Um, you know, we're, we're very proud of the accomplishments the guys have put on the board for the program. You know, we're on the bubble right now. Um, Southern Miss in the sport of golf has never put a team in the NCAA postseason. We've sent individuals in the past, but we've never had a team actually go. And that's always been our focus is to getting to that point where we're a consistent team in the postseason. So right now we're on the bubble uh, in the national rankings. So with these last couple tournaments, if we uh, take care of business, we can make that happen, and we'll be on the Golf Channel uh, on the National Selection Show in May. There you go. What would what would have to happen for 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 you to get a bid like that? So you've got at large bids um, that are based on your national ranking. That normally shakes out after you see who's won conference championships. Because if you win conference, you're automatically in. So there's your AQs. You got about 31 of those in the nation. And then they, they start going down the rankings, starting at number one, and just say, okay, did they win conference? Yes, so skip them, and then fill out the rest of the field that way. Normally that number cuts off at about 65 in the national rankings, and right now we're at 75. So we're right there Got on the bubble. Got a chance. About a minute left. Coach, uh, talk about how big of a weekend it was for Mississippi golf. Davis Riley of Hattiesburg finishes second, loses in a playoff in the Valspar Championship. But, man, he looked good, and, man, he is one of the young studs to come on the PGA Tour. Absolutely. I'm telling you, I, I, I saw him whenever he was in high school, uh, when he was playing here at PCS. You know, he's he has all the tools to be successful, to be one of the best players on the planet, and he's starting to show that. We've seen it, and we've known it for years that he's at that level, but now it's the world's turn to see it. Um, it's just a matter of time before Davis breaks through because, gosh, he's so good. <laughs> good stuff. Well, Coach, uh, congratulations on the, the tourney win up at East Carolina. We know uh, you guys are getting ready for uh, for the, at Mossy Oak in a couple weeks in West Point. Hey, let's get in that NCAA tournament. Now you uh, will lead our troops well. Thanks for being on the Eagle Hour. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate y'all's time. And Southern Miss, to the top. All right. Golf coach Eddie Brusher, everybody. Patrick McGee's down in New Orleans. He, of course, works for NOLA.com. Well, we know that the, the Saints have decided who their quarterback is going to be this fall. We're going to talk to him about that. Other things involving the New Orleans Saints next on the Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Our thanks to Coach Eddie Brescher for joining us. Great job by the golf team at Southern Miss. What a great year uh, those young men are having and always happy to report that kind of news. For sports, it just don't seem to get uh, the attention oftentimes that uh, it deserves. All right, time to uh, thank our good buddies at uh, Campus Bookmart and Campus Bookmart.net. .net for all they do. They have a great selection of Southern Miss apparel, all sorts of Southern Miss merchandise. They're open Monday through Saturday, right on Hardy Street across from the campus. You can shop them online at campusbookmart.net. It's Wednesday. We go down to the Big Easy. That's where we find our buddy Patrick McGee from NOLA.com, our go-to guy when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. And we know how many people here in South Mississippi and Central Mississippi love the Saints, so we always like to keep you updated on that. And 
Of course, the news down in New Orleans uh, since we last talked is uh, we know now who the quarterback is going to be. Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson has moved out of the picture, and you expressed that you were pretty happy about that, Patrick. Well, I mean, I, I just think it, the more I saw the kind of the, the effort to si- to sign or to trade for Watson kind of developed, I saw more people kind of thinking it wasn't the greatest idea. Uh, those who didn't think it was a, the right, uh, you know, ethical thing to do or morally wrong to do, there are a fair amount of people who just thought that what the Texans were asking for in terms of draft picks uh, and the amount of money that Watson would have required, it just seemed like a really high p- price to play uh, for. You know, I think Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback, but uh, there, we also have to factor in the uncertainty surrounding him going forward. He can still very well be suspended, uh, and the Browns gave a lot of guaranteed money. Uh, uh, to bring Watson in, and I, I think the Saints kind of dodged a bullet because it just really would have uh, it would have been a huge investment in one player. And um, as much as I think he's a really good quarterback, I think they avoided potential you know disaster down the road. Uh, you know, uh, it, yeah, maybe you play to win right now with a Deshaun Watson. But heck, what if he's not on the field for six or eight games this year? It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah, I, I think the Saints probably ended up. End up uh, being lucky not having to bring Watson in. All right, so they signed Winston, and I, I, I want to say that my observation was that Jameis Winston last year was playing well. He looked like he had matured a great deal. That he he, he struck me as being a young man that realized I've made enough mistakes. This is my shot. I'm going to take advantage of it. But are you concerned that that Sean Payton won't be there, and what degree of influence he was having over Winston? Yeah, I mean, you would absolutely want Sean Payton as the guy, you know, mentoring Winston and, and calling the plays. Uh, but, you know, he's moved on. Uh, you have Pete Carmichael, who, who's familiar with Winston. At this point, you hope those two guys really know how to work together and know how to approach uh, game preparations and, and, and play calling and everything in the course of the game. So you would, you would hope that foundation is kind of built. Uh, Winston's been there the last two seasons. He's had a chance to evolve, to evolve as a quarterback. Uh, but at the same time, I hope they're able to kind of let Winston loose a little bit this year and let him feel more comfortable and more confident and kind of takes, take a few more chances. <laughs> Not too many chances. Mm-hmm. We've seen what, what's happened in the past whenever uh, he's really just kind of gone out there and slung it around the field. Uh, but no, it's, I don't think anybody's really concerned. I think Winston is kind of a fully formed quarterback, and Peyton played a large role in that development, as did uh, Carmichael. So I, I think Winston is, a, is at a good place, and I think that's why the Saints uh, felt comfortable ultimately bringing him back. How about you, Luke? You feel the same? Yeah, I mean, Patrick, I told you off air, you know what you're getting with, with Jameis Winston. Um, pretty good track record through you know seven games last year. And uh, he, he is a guy that has shown that he has matured somewhat. He's always going to have the personality quirks because he's Jameis. But – I feel like he was a a safe bet coming back rather than, to your point, Deshaun Watson getting slapped. You know, he's got to go 22 for 22 and getting his name cleared. Um, Mm -hmm. And for some of these other guys, I mean, I think I would probably take Jameis over, um, you know, over Minshew or over Garoppolo or some of these other guys. Yeah, and Winston has a higher ceiling than I think uh, really both of those guys that you just mentioned. I think, you know, Minshew, I'm not. I'm not that big on at this point. He seems, you know, he can be great one week and pretty darn mediocre the next. Garoppolo, if he's healthy, he's a good quarterback. So I, I mean, just the way the, the everything kind of played out, 
with Aaron Rodgers staying put and Russell Wilson going into the going to the Broncos. There were really just not that many opportunities really upgrade outside of bringing in a Watson at quarterback. So I, you know, it just makes sense. This team is more intact. You're not having to deal with some of your defensive players to to Houston to bring in a guy. You've got the pieces still in place. You can go out and improve yourself at, at receiver, and maybe uh, you, you you can go bring an offensive tackle to maybe play left tackle. You have money to work with now. The Saints, I think, are one of the six or eight top teams right now in the NFL in, in terms of freed up cap space. So. Uh, they've got a little bit of room to work with, and I think they can kind of improve themselves going forward. I think this has all worked out for the Saints. I, I just I think it really would have been tough on the roster uh, and, and tough to put that much money towards a, a Deshaun Watson. Yeah, front office for the Saints, oftentimes wizards in freeing up cap room. We're talking to Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. NFC South shaking up. Patrick, Matt Ryan goes to the Colts. Uh, I think Cam Jordan, uh, he he wanted the Colts immediately on the schedule after hearing that news. But, uh, you know, these some of these longtime uh, player team associations broken, one of those for the Saints, Armstead, uh, signs free agent deal after nine years in New Orleans. Tough to see him go. But as you said, he's he's kind of been injured lately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Armstead, it was going to be tough for the Saints to really uh, uh, put too much money towards him just because he, he's missed so many important games in recent years. He's a good player. Uh, that's such a crucial position, and you need somebody that's pretty durable. I guess James Hurst right now would be your leader at left tackle. I think in an ideal situation, Hurst is probably your sixth or seventh offensive lineman. Uh, so, uh, you know, they got a chance to address that. But, I mean, you mentioned the Falcons and Matt Ryan. I think the Falcons are the big losers out of all this. Right. I mean, they just instantly go into a, a total rebuild. And, and, the, and the, the Saints' chances of, of going to the playoffs have really improved because the Panthers have struggled to kind of address their quarterback situation as well. I think the Panthers will probably be a little bit better than the Falcons just simply because they're better on defense. But uh, the way everything kind of plays out, the Saints are looking like a playoff team. You know, it's likely a number two team out of the NFC South. And the Lord knows they give the Buccaneers hell, so they can't be counted out. In the uh, division races, uh, division race either. Yeah, I was going to say, Patrick. I think I think New Orleans has the the number of Tampa Bay better than any team in the league. So New Orleans yeah, could win yeah. the division. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you beat the Bucks twice, uh, you know, in, in a normal season, the Saints would have won the division. Where uh, they didn't have so many injuries and COVID really wreaked havoc. If if things had been stable, the Saints would have won the division this last season. Uh, so I, you know, I it, I, I see things kind of being a little bit easier on this roster and this staff. Now, you don't have Sean Payton. Their offense is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we'll see how things play out there. But defensively, the Saints are going to be every bit as good or should be. So right. I, I think the Saints right now are right there with the Bucks. You give the Bucks the edge, certainly. But I, I, I think the Saints are perfectly capable of winning the division. Yeah, were you surprised when Brady announced he was unretired? No, I, I guess I was kind of surprised how quickly it happened. Uh, but no, I, it doesn't surprise me one bit. If, if I'm Brady and he wants to play, I, he should play until he's physically unable to. But yeah. he's so he's in great shape now; he can throw it as well as ever. Why not? You know? Yeah, he's shown no signs of aging. I, th- I think we can all agree with that. Hey, real quick, two minutes left. Uh, Golden Eagles have gone eight and five through this killer schedule that they've had in March in baseball, of course. But you know, really not a breather. This afternoon, I think uh, UNO just beat uh, Oklahoma two out of three games. But, but putting that aside, eight and five when you've been playing Mississippi State, Tulane, Alabama, South Alabama, uh, Dallas Baptist, and Louisiana Lafayette, not a bad run, Patrick. 
No, your only rough stretch is at Dallas Baptist, and there's you know no shame in losing there. You certainly would have won to pick off one game, but overall, it's been a pretty good run for Southern Miss baseball. They have just have to continue to win these uh, weekend series in Conference USA, and they're going to be a solid postseason team, probably a number two seed again. <clears throat> I think uh, losing all three at Dallas Baptist is a little bit of blow down the road if you want to host a regional. Uh, but uh, Southern Miss can certainly make up ground over time and maybe get themselves in that conversation. But right now, I would think they're probably in in a two-seed position, if I had to guess. And they need to keep winning, that's for sure. You have to go yeah. like a place like Western Kentucky. It's not easy to play because there's no crowd, there's no atmosphere. Uh, right. Scott told us this, an almost an eight-hour bus drive tomorrow after playing in UNO tonight. So nothing's easy, is it, Patrick? No, and you have to beat the team's. Uh, that you're supposed to beat, and and that includes a Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, you're going to have Louisiana Tech popping up on the schedule as well, and that's going to be a tough weekend. So uh, that's how Southern Miss has really kind of uh, asserted itself in Conference USA is beating those teams that they're supposed to, and that's what's got to happen for Southern Miss the rest of the conference, the, the going away trip uh, tour, I guess you, I should say, for the, the Golden it's, Eagles. It's the farewell USA. tour in conference. Just a farewell, yeah. Last farewell question: tour. Is it good enough to to just win series against uh, the Western Kentuckys of the of the world, or do you have to sweep those series? I, I mean, if you want to really kind of put yourself in a good position for the postseason, you got to really kind of sweep some of these. I mean, two out of three is not bad, but if you sweep, uh, that really puts you in a good position. Uh, uh, you know, within conference and in the postseason picture. So this is a this is a weekend Southern Miss would certainly like this week. All right, Patrick. We always appreciate the Saints updates and always enjoy our conversations with you. We look forward to talking to you on the Eagle Hour again next Wednesday. Okay, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, NOLA.com, our go-to guy for New Orleans Saints uh, news and information, and just a good friend of the Eagle Hour. We're always happy to have him on. Kelly Center next. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. Our thanks to our good buddy Patrick McGee down in New Orleans for his insight. We always enjoy that. Eddie Brescher and the great golf season that Southern Miss is enjoying. We thank Coach for coming on as well. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly is on location. This segment sponsored by Four Street Bar and Grill, where you can, uh, I, I would think, Santa, it would be a perfect place to go this weekend, get you a big poor boy, cold Budweiser, enjoy the basketball game. So I guarantee you they're going to be roaring down there this weekend with basketball. You, you got that right, but you, you can't make the mistake of asking for a poor boy because I asked for one and Slade White came walking out. I guess the economy's <laughs> not real. <laughs> Slade's doing okay now, I'm guessing, but uh, – no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the cost of food with everything, you know, it's yeah, just, just a it. struggle nowadays. But, it, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a great place. He's a great guy, and uh, you're going to have a good time, and you're going to have some good food. I'm telling you, people, good food at Forest Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sanders on location today. Kelly, you may have a little breaking news from a source of yours uh, regarding Southern Miss and the Sun Belt. 
I'm telling you, Bob, this, you know, the, the legal entanglement that, uh, that is this escape from the U- Conference USA, which a lot of people thought would, would go on and on. Apparently, great progress is being made, being made in a short period of time. Our sources inside the Sunbelt Conference are saying that Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion's case uh, is being mediated as we speak. Uh, it appears, according to our sources, that an agreement uh, between the schools and Conference USA could be reached within a, quote, week or two. And if that means, uh, you know, two weeks and it would be over with, then so be it. Uh, but the bottom line here is it looks like as this is being mediated between the three schools and Conference USA, it looks like all three would be free to go from Conference USA in another two weeks or so officially, and then that would be the end of the line. But the legal, the legal wrangling that a lot of people thought would take a long time doesn't appear that's going to be the case. Looks like a deal is going to be reached within the next week or two, and officially the three Conference USA schools will be members legally of the Sunbelt Conference. Luke Johnson, at this late date, I know early on in the year, we worried a little bit, talked a little bit about would Conference USA want to move the baseball tournament because of that. But we're, we're getting now, we're, we're over halfway into the season. Too late for those concerns, you think the tournament is secure here in Hattiesburg? It's Conference USA, Bob. Anything can happen, right? <laughs> well, but, you got uh, a point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to your point, I mean, you've already got reservations made and travel accommodations have made. And you got to think about schools like Old Dominion coming in, you know. So it's not like, <clears throat> you know, UAB can, can redo their plans. It, you've got them coming in from all over. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be, to Kelly's point, the reason for an expedited ruling could be because of that. I just don't see it happening. Right. All right, Luke, more basketball transfers. Yeah, um, guys, we thought this one uh, this one hurts. Um, Tyler Stevenson hits the portal. And so that, what that means is the only starter left on the team as of right now is, uh, is DeAndre Pinckney. And when you start looking at <laughs> the production last year, so now that Stevenson is in, um, in the portal, you're right at, I think 74%, my, my friend Pat McGee put this out on Twitter, 74%. If you do the math and Pinkney were to hit the portal, then like 87% of the production this year is gone. The only guys left on the team right now, Pinkney, Najee Harris, Mo Arnold, Tyler Mormon, uh, Jeffrey Armstrong, Mark Yoxon, Trey Alfonso, Tate Ryder, and Blake Roberts. The bottom three really obviously didn't, didn't play much this year. But, yeah, I mean, Kelly, Stevenson's the one. He, he hit the portal last year and then came back. Um, he's your all-conference performer. I, I just, I mean, this is, am I, am I the only one guy, I'm not trying to stir anything up, but I'm saying this is pretty historic. I know we haven't had the transfer portal very long. I get that. But I'm just talking about, like, basically you lose your entire roster overnight or over the course of a couple weeks. It is certainly noteworthy, but, again, it's it's not going to be unique. There are going to be other schools, perhaps not to the degree that Southern Miss is involved in the transfer portal, but there are going to be, uh, winning teams, teams that have had terrific seasons that are going to find uh, su- find themselves surprised when some of their starters go into the transfer portal. I heard it uh, heard it put yesterday that the transfer portal is a lot like uh, uh, a young couple that hasn't been dating very long. That that the guys are always looking to see what else might be out there, but the bottom line is they always wind up coming back to that the, the anchor of a girlfriend, and I think that's that's kind of accurate. Is that a lot of these players might want to see what else is out there, 
But when they find out that there aren't a lot of teams screaming for their services, they go back to where they came from. Again, just because they went into the transfer portal doesn't mean they're going to wind up somewhere else. Nick, Obviously, next, they could. But The, the follow-up to that is, how much of this, because transfer portal goes two ways. Guys get in the portal, right. they want to go somewhere else. Sometimes they're encouraged to go somewhere else. What what right. what's the what do you think the dynamic is with that here? I think I don't I don't know that we'll ever know the math, but the fact that Jay Ladner has mentioned it a couple times with us here on the Eagle Hour, I think that he was probably suggesting that there were some players that did not fit into the plans, whatever those plans might be. So I think that's certainly a reasonable assumption to make. Exactly who he was talking about, uh, we don't know. Um, and it really doesn't doesn't matter at this point. But what intrigues me about Stevenson, as you mentioned, Luke, this is the second time that he's been to the transfer portal. And I mean, I'm I'm the type of guy that I don't you know I don't necessarily want somebody around me that doesn't want to be around me, which is a significant number, by the way, of people that don't want to be around me. But I'm just a saying, big number. But you yeah, you remember with Stevenson though. He didn't go through the traditional recruitment process, and Jay actually told us that last year. This was the situation with him. But, yeah, for the second time, sure. What, what I'm just looking at is, like, you're losing your entire starting lineup plus Tay Hardy in one swoop. Because I I, I think Pinkney's going to probably hit the portal also. I mean, it, it wouldn't make sense. Everybody else. So you've lost your your top six or seven guys. Like, the, the seven options that are that you put on the court every night are gone in one swoop. Well, you, you, you say that they're gone. But just because they're in the transfer portal doesn't mean they're going to leave. That's the point that you know that I was that I was trying to make. Um, some certainly will, but I think it's reasonable based on the history of other schools. It's reasonable to assume that you know a few players, even though they're currently in the transfer portal, will wind up back at Southern Miss. What a new dynamic in sports, too. And do you you know you, you know coaches are human beings. So if you've got a kid that's entered the transfer portal twice, and let's just say he hasn't gotten an offer, so he's coming back. I mean, how many times can your girlfriend go out on you before you're ready to move on? I think that's a reasonable point, too, Bob, and that's what I was kind of saying. I, You know, uh, it happens once, shame on you. If it happens twice, shame on me. But, I mean, that's a, that's a dynamic and part of the chemistry that coaches will have to figure out. And again, this isn't going to be anything new. We've, we've mentioned this before. You look at Otzelberger at Iowa State. He completely revamped his team in one year, had two wins last year. Now they're in the Sweet 16. UAB was in the tournament this year with, I think, five uh, guys from the transfer portal. So you're going to have to re-recruit your team every single year. But exactly which of these Eagles that are in the transfer portal come, come back and which ones don't remains to be seen. But right now it does appear that, that uh, if the players have their way, It'll be a pretty bare cupboard at Southern Miss. All right, two minutes left, Kelly. You you told me off air that you uh, had had found some USFL. Ch- I'm I'm intrigued by the USFL coming back. I guess with Fedora being part of it and New Orleans having a team, I just I, I'm finding it interesting. You said there's going to be a few a few rules that we're not used to seeing. What are those? And it's not unusual, Bob, that that this has happened when the USFL was around the first time. They instituted uh, instant replay and coaches' challenges, which have made their way onto the NFL field. Well, now, three different rule changes for the USFL this year, which I think fans will will find interesting. First of all, you certainly have the point after touchdown, which will be the traditional place kick. 
You have the two-point conversion, which is similar to college. Well, now the USFL is going to implement an optional three-point conversion. And the way that will work is it'll be exactly like the two-point conversion, except except the play will take place from the 10-yard line rather wow. than the two-yard line. Interesting. So after a touchdown, you can have a maximum of nine points. So, again, right. that would be the three-point conversion, a successful right. play from the 10. 45 seconds, so let us hear the other ones. All right, quick. The other one um, is that uh, then over time will be a series of two-point conversions. Each team will get three attempts at two-point conversions. The team that scores the most of the six points will win. If it's tied, they will continue then in sudden death, very similar to soccer shootouts. So that's, those are the two most important, I think, that people will find most interesting. And the third one. We've got 20 seconds. Go ahead. Uh, the third one is that uh, if you instead of an onside kick, you will be able to have one play from your 35-yard line and gain 15 yards. And if you don't, the other team will take the ball from there. If you convert the 15-yard play, you'll get to keep the football instead cool. of an onside kick. Cool stuff, Luke Johnson. You're the football player. What do you think about that? Man, that three-point, I'd go for it every time if it's just from the 10-yard line. Absolutely. Interesting stuff. All right, Kelly, thanks for the report on the road, so to speak. And uh, we got a good you show bet, for you coming tomorrow. We'll be back at 1 o'clock. We hope you'll join us. Golden Eagles, 4 o'clock this afternoon at UNO. We really didn't get to that. Uh, we'll review the game tomorrow, of course, on the show as well. Have a good day. Southern Miss. To the top. Southern Miss to the top. Well, it's not that I really wanted to leave the show early, Luke, or I had uh, big important plans. It's that I got distracted and overlooked the fourth segment. So if you'll hang around, we'll do one more segment. Is that good with you, bro? Yeah, it sounds good. I had listeners texting me, uh, what, hey, what happened to the show? And I was like, well, we're really thankful for our, uh, for our advertisers and our sponsors. All right, uh, D1, D-Bat, uh, they sponsored this segment of the show, actually, which which actually is the last segment. And uh, we thank them for their support. And I remind you that they, they do really state-of-the-art training for baseball and softball for kids, uh, sports of any nature for adults. It's a gorgeous facility. It's well-staffed and extremely well-equipped, and uh, we hope that you'll check them out at D1 and D-Bat. Golden Eagles baseball Two hours away from uh, first pitch against the uh, University of New Orleans. Uh, let's see here. Sophomore right-hander Blake Wehunt will make his debut for the 2022 season. He'll start today against Luke. What is a what is a pretty good uh, New Orleans team? Twelve and six on the season, and coming off a, a series win against the 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 real Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, I mean, UNO is one of those teams Southern Miss has played a lot down the down the the ages, down the history of both programs, and you know they're they're always got a good ball club. Um, all, so far this year, they've already played LSU. Um, they swept ULM on the road. So a uh, coach fed over there. They were supposed to play Lafayette, but got beat. Lost to South Alabama, but like you said, won two out of three at Oklahoma. So um, this is a team that you know the Golden Eagles uh, need to take care of. You know, I think everybody remembers a couple of years ago they came in on a Tuesday night, beat us one to nothing. But I'm excited to see Wee Hunt. He was one of those young arms that 
that uh, we were excited about seeing. He, he started a game at the Oxford Regional, and a big guy, six foot six, weighs two hundred forty-one pounds out of Carnesville, Georgia, and uh, has got a good good repertoire of stuff. I'm excited to see him tonight and uh, the opportunity. He's he's another one of those guys uh, that could that could make some really good starts and put a lot of good innings down the stretch for the Golden Eagles. All right, the game's at four o'clock, and if you want to watch it, you can stream it at unoprivateers.com/slash/watch. That's unoprivateers.com slash watch. And uh, that is a free web stream of the game this afternoon, which starts in about two hours. Another big NFL trade, Luke. Yeah, I mean, some of these are getting out of out of hand. Uh, we talked about how Deshaun Watson went for six picks. Now, Kansas City has made a deal with the Miami Dolphins. Tyreek Hill, the fastest man in the NFL, been traded from Kansas City to Miami for five, count them, five draft picks. Three this year, two next year. The Miami Dolphins are giving up their 2022 first-round pick, which is number 29 overall, their second-round pick this year, number 50th overall, and a fourth round, plus a fourth and sixth round for the 2023 draft next year. The Dolphins are going to sign Hill for a four-year $121 million extension, including $72.2 million guaranteed. Oh. Tyreek Hill, a Miami Dolphins, um, the newest Miami Dolphin, and, and the Chiefs, Bob, you just give them more opportunities to get more people. Well, it's not like he's their only receiver. I mean, he's a great receiver, but uh, certainly uh, not their only receiver. All right, uh, some more notes from Southern Miss, Luke, uh, before we – Softball's on the road tonight. Softball taking on McNeese State over in Lake Charles. First pitch set for 6.30 tonight. That game can be streamed live on ESPN+. So softball on the road. And then track and field starts uh, that outdoor season. They go to uh, Texas uh, tomorrow to get ready uh, for the Texas Relays down in Austin. Yeah, and, of course, they're coming off uh, an indoor championship. So the Golden Eagles play at four. It's going to be a long week uh, for the for the baseball team. Coach Barry telling us that they asked to move the game up to four when it got postponed because of weather last night because they have to play the game, get back to Hattiesburg, get on a bus early in the morning. They're looking at about an eight-hour bus drive uh, up to western Kentucky. Get up there on a Thursday night, uh, get your kids in bed, try to get them some rest, and come Friday night, uh, you're playing baseball. Those those kind of road trips there on on, on buses, Luke, that, that's got to be tough stuff. It's rough, and you want to leave earlier so you can recover from the bus trip. You right. know, they'll probably leave pretty early tomorrow morning so that they can get at least a, a walk around or a, a field around, a hit around in a tomorrow night up in Bowling Green. No question. Long, uh, long stretch here for the Golden Eagles. Playing a good uh, UNO team here at about two hours. Let's uh, see. Southern Miss playing UNO for the first time since a 15-2 victory in the 2019 season. And uh, UNO will be uh, making a return visit here to the Pete on April the 20th. So this afternoon's game will be the first of two games uh, between a good 12-6 and UNO team and uh, our Southern Miss Golden Eagles, who go into the game tonight, thirteen and seven. Really, I think uh, an important uh, important to keep these midweek wins going uh, because down the line, uh, that's going to help you perhaps with your seeding of the tournament, and of course uh, with your conference play a long way off uh, in Western Kentucky. Want to try to get a win in tonight, and uh, then deal with the long drive uh, tomorrow, at least with a with a win behind your back. 
Okay. Now you sure you want to close the show now? I was going to say, now is the time that I can say we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And until then, Luke Southern Miss. To the top. Mississippi Media Production.